All right, what's up, 49ers fans? It's Dylan D. Simone and Eric Crocker. We are back uh, from our little vacation, a little hiatus since the week three uh, Jimmy G injury. But we're here. We're here for basically an outlook of how the 49ers season is going and kind of big picture stuff. I think that's what's on the agenda today. So what's up, Croc? What's up, man? Man, it's, it's, it's good to talk talk football with you, man. Yeah, it's been man. a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. I went to I went to the Raiders uh, Raiders Browns game, which was Baker's first start, um, which was actually a pretty good game. I think that was the same weekend the 49ers played the Chargers, and then last weekend I took a little vacation. Uh, actually, not too far. I went up to Portland. I actually, saw uh, our friend Evan Sowards of 49ers Hub, and. Uh, kind of took in the game casually there so i didn't really actually watch either of the last two 49ers games until today <laughs> right yeah you were telling me that and but i mean i guess with the losses you haven't missed much but you know just being able to catch up so we can kind of talk about you know where the franchise is headed you know it's perfect timing yeah so i guess considering i feel like i've been a little bit out of the loop what do you think's been kind of the the dominating discussion right now about the team uh, I think everybody's just saying tank for uh, Joey Bosa. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, Nick Bosa, Joey. Nick Bosa, Bosa excuse yeah, me, yeah. Nick Bosa. Yeah, that that that's all I've that's all I've heard. Um, that's all everybody's talking about. And I mean, realistically, NFL teams aren't tanking, and and the 49ers, they just. I mean, it reminds me a lot of last year when we lost those five games in a row by you know three or less points. Um. It's just little things here and there, and the, I mean the Arizona game, like the 49ers completely dominate that game, and it just doesn't show on the scoreboard. But everything about the game, yards, first downs, I mean, literally every time of it, everything, except for the five turnovers, which led to points for the uh, Cardinals. So um, it is frustrating. It's been frustrating to watch, see them jump out to a 14-0 lead against the Chargers, and and you know. That lead, you know, quickly evaporate and and end up losing by you know a couple points. Um, you know, it's just been one thing after another. Them shooting themselves in the foot, and it's like you know, sometimes I don't even know if okay, well we have one if we had Jimmy Garoppolo, and you know, at the end of the day, I think that the defense, well actually the defense played well against the Cardinals. It's just it's just always one one thing or another, man, and uh, it's, it's frustrating. If you can't tell, I'm really frustrated by it. Yeah, no, I mean. It's it has seemed like that they've had these like hot starts. I mean, especially against I think it was the Antoine Exum pick six started the game against the Chargers, and and then it just it really just kind of got away from them there. Uh, shortly after, saw the um, I think the two most frustrating plays I saw in the Chargers game was Solomon Thomas trying to cover Antonio Gates down the left sideline, <laughs> and then Ruben Foster and the other defensive back just leaving Antonio Gates to run by himself into the end zone. So it's like, I think it was just seeing blown assignments, uh, not positioning your best players to win matchups, that kind of thing. So, I mean, those were some of the things that kind of stood out to me that I saw, I thought were avoidable if the team were better coached, better run on the defensive side of the ball in particular. I know there's been, uh, <laughs> I guess, discussion around uh, Robert Sala. We were very excited to have him last year because of the 49ers had previously had Jim O'Neill um, Salah seemed like he came from really good background, but there's been sort of questions around how he's running this defense, you know, the missed tackles, the blown assignments, you know, defensive linemen in coverage. 
what is your take on that? I mean, do you do you think that this guy is rightly under fire? He's dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of unfair to him. You know, to he's in the position where you know you you're, you're without Foster for the first couple of weeks, have to play with Coyle and the rookie, and then you get Foster back, and you're just decimated with injuries throughout the entire secondary, the whole starting unit aside from Kawan Williams, but yeah. Killer Witherspoon, you know, after the Vikings game, you know, he went into the week uh, hobbling around. I guess he had a bad ankle, a bad hit. Sherman then, gets you know, hurt. Sherman got hurt, you know, and, and then uh, Colbert had a hamstring injury. Tart hurt, you know, he missed a game or two. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of unfair to him, but at the end of the day, you know, the games still have to be played. And I think for a scheme that, for the most part, had been so simple, um, I, I will say I think going into the last two games, my biggest gripe with him was that he wasn't mix, mixing it up enough. Um, I thought that, you know, there was there was too much. Uh, they line up and it's just single high safety. And I'm like, man, why, why? You know, if you don't have a mean pass rush like that, uh, you can't just line up in it like the Seattle like Seattle used to do. You know, you have to do more disguise and you have to mix up the coverage a little bit more too high. And then he did that. He did that against the Chargers. You know, I thought the defense looked better that game. You know, there were some a uh, couple blown assignments, but overall, I thought the defense played much better in that game. And, and then you had they 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 missed a couple tackles in the second half, but um, overall they they played much better. And then you have the Cardinals game where um, we had the the. First play of the game was the touchdown. Christian Kirk. And Christian Kirk. And, uh, you know, he – it was a good route to White. Now the Kello and then go back over the middle. Like, and, and at that at that point, our quarterback just has to throw it out there. Well, you know, you, you want your safety to be there. And if, if Cobra's, you know, helping out in that deep middle, there's really nowhere else to go. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman was double-teamed by – I mean, Richard Sherman. Uh, Fitzgerald was double-teamed by – Sherman and Foster. Um, there was really nowhere else to go, but you know our safety. Wait, pause. Um, just can I may I pause you? Is that a mistake in itself having Foster and Sherman dedicating Foster? I mean, Sherman could take care of Fitzgerald by himself, right? Well, it was a deep crosser, so oh, okay, a lot of okay. times on the, on those deep crossers, uh, uh, Foster will either pick it up or if there's somebody that's running with him, he'll he'll just help. Ah, okay. Um. So yeah, everything else was covered, man, and and then we just had the miscue by the by the safety, and you know that was it. I, outside of that, the defense played lights out. They were getting they were getting the uh, Cardinals off of the field consistently. Uh, there was pretty much tight coverage uh, throughout the entire game. Um, the the run stopping was was there. You know the rush defense they were they were they were stopping. Uh, the, the, the running back, I mean, he, he didn't do anything. What he averaged, like, two yards a carry, three yards a carry. Yeah. Um, the defense consistently was, good at that this year. Yeah. The, I mean, just all around, if you look at it, I think it's, like, per play, they, they give up, like, the sixth least amount of yards per play or something like that. So now the bigger thing is just can you get off the field? Can you get off the field on third down? Can you get off the field and get some takeaways? Um, and, and that's kind of been lacking. Yeah, and then – you were talking about the pass rush being sort of an issue and that's not helping the defensive backs. And I think a lot of teams because of the 49ers run defense is so stout and the def- and the secondary has not been, and the pass rush is not there that, you know, teams are throwing more often than not against the 49ers. Uh, taking a look at the front seven, mostly in the pass rush, 
I've I've liked some of the things that they've done. I've actually I've been surprised by you know things here and there. I think like you were saying before, it seems like they're just an inch off here or there with a play not working. You know, if one thing goes well, something else on another side of the field breaks down or doesn't work. Um, so I think you know with the front seven though, I think we've seen uh, Cassius Marsh we were talking about was actually looking pretty good. Um, he's he's done some things where I mean, given. Given where he came from, given his background, given the expectations, I think that he's been, you know, everything he, he could have been. He's not the premier guy, but he's he's doing his best, and he's got some athletic ability off the edge. Um, but, yeah, they still don't have everything right. I like that they're moving Reuben Foster as a, you know, a blitzer. Uh, I noticed that in the beginning of the Chargers game. He had two consecutive blitzes, and it helped force an early three and out after the pick six. So it seems like, you know, there's, they're, they're trying to generate some pass rush, but there are missing personnel up there. Um, what have you thought about the production on that end? Yeah, I, I think we just don't have that guy. You know, we, we don't have that, that um, excuse my language, but as uh, Sims and Lefko say, we don't have that fuck the play up guy. Yeah. You know, um, we, don't, we don't have a guy that, you know, screams off of the edge and forces a fumble. You know, in the key moment. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're just missing that guy. And, and a lot of people thought, you know, hell, Landry would be that guy. Uh, he might be, but just not for us. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think ultimately that's what the 49ers are, are, are missing. Um, they're, they're a really good edge. And, and I think Marsh, like you said, he, he's done decent. I know a lot of people talk really bad about him and they kind of make jokes about Marsh and the lack of pass rush. I don't think. The pass rush is as bad as everybody thinks it is. I just don't think that there's just a super difference maker um, in the as you know as a pass rusher, especially off the edge. So um, Marsh has been kind of hit and miss. A lot of times, if his initial move works, I mean he's in there quick. Yeah, yeah. That's but what I like. um, if it doesn't, which you know you're not going to get consistent pressure all all game. He or at least he's not. Um, when it doesn't move, he's just super ineffective. You know, um, so you know he 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 just kind of hit and miss, but yeah, man, it's the the pass rush has been up and down. Yeah, it hasn't. It, it, the, I think the big issue is they also have wanted. I think there were more expectations of Solomon Thomas. I think we were calling him at least a six sack guy this year, something like that. Um, right, which wasn't even huge. It's not like you're asking for like ten sacks or something like that from him. Right. I think that was where we thought it was going to come from, maybe Buckner. But um, Solomon Thomas, the misusage and underusage has kind of continued. The underusage was kind of more of a thing this year. He seemed like uh, earlier in the season he'd been playing less than he was last year. I mean, in terms of snaps, they just weren't getting him on the field. (sighs) I've seen a lot of takes on this. And I've seen people that are talking about trading Solomon Thomas and you know, is he, he calling him a bust already? And I don't know. I just I don't I don't see it yet. I'm not I'm not ready to declare him that yet. Well, I think people think if, if somebody's not getting a bunch of sacks, then they're a bust. Um, I, I guess at this point, you know, it's not his fault. He was drafted third overall, and not and it might not be warranted like that. He's right. he was drafted that high, but there still is definitely value for what he does well. And he's been and it's not sexy, but you know, setting the edge well, playing you know very well against the run, being stout in that aspect of his game, um, being a decent decent um, interior rusher, but you know not great. Um, 
I, I, I think, you know, if me just looking at it, it's like now, now you have him, you know, so just use him for what he's good for and just know what he's not. And what he's not is a super edge rusher. He'll probably never be that. Maybe he will. I don't know. But as of right now, it doesn't look like he will be. So it's slow going when still, he's trying to turn the corner, man. I can't yeah. lie about that. Like, it's, yeah, right. So, but there's still value for the things that he does do well. Absolutely. And I think people are are missing that part of it. Our run defense is is pretty damn good, and yeah. they're very they're they're st- they're stout on a consistent basis. You don't see guys just gashing us and gashing us and gashing. Us. You you don't see that. So just know the reason why you don't see that is because of those big bodies that are up front. And Solomon Thomas is part of that. Yeah. No, I know it does. It keeps keeps offenses off balance, and that's the only thing the team has going for him this year. So that's actually a really good point. Um, but I do think he has something to offer in the pass rush. I just think the problem is they're kind of stacked inside. Every time I see like I see a, a down in distance where I think Solomon Thomas should be inside, I'm looking for him. I spot Earl Mitchell or Eric Armstead or Sheldon Day. Right. And I it's you know, so he gets the brunt of all this uh, pass rush angst from the 49ers fan base because he's out, he's playing what, where the coaches are telling him to play. It's not his best position, but he's doing his best because the coaching staff ultimately thinks that that is the optimal line or, you know, for them on any given down and distance, like I said. Uh, But yeah, it just seems like it's also unfair to Solomon Thomas, who is, when I do see him, like when he gets those inside snaps, he's just like he's just more of like a bear in there, you know. He's, I mean, he's just quick punching, and I see him take on double teams. I saw him get triple team against the Chargers. You had three offensive linemen, all three interior offensive linemen on Solomon Thomas. Um, <laughs> what the Antoine Exum pick? Uh, Solomon Thomas was lined up over center. Um, granted, uh, uh, later in the game, on the Aaron Eckler touchdown uh, against Fred Warner. Uh, Solomon Thomas was also lined up over center and had a pass rush snap. And I thought he got better pressure on that snap, but it resulted in a touchdown. But, you know, again, he just, I thought he, I think he looks good in there. I mean, he's just, uh, it's that phone booth that he's built for is the, the, the rapid arm movement. And it's more about, you know, that kind of upper body twitchiness and punch than it is about, you know, having to bend the corner where you're relying on that. So, I think it's and if and if I had to make a move to fix this right now, I mean, look, Earl Mitchell is he's he's a good player and he he's still having good games, but this is a veteran player you signed to patch up patch up a team. Solomon Thomas is your third round pick. I'm sure this isn't doing third overall pick. I'm sorry, third overall pick. Uh, this isn't doing a lot for his confidence, and you know, right now, I think you gotta just back your investment. I mean, play play the player that you invested in and where he's supposed to be. I mean, are we really going to wait until Earl Mitchell's contract is up until you start playing Solomon Thomas inside? <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I don't get that. So uh, if I had any, like, you know, coaching decision to challenge, I'd be like, just just mix it up. Try this. I mean, put, put you know, give your player that you invested in the snaps that he should be getting and let him develop. Because right now he's not developing in an ideal spot. And um, it's it's I don't think it's it's fair to him and it's not good for his confidence and it might not be the best thing for the line. Yeah, I'm, you know, and, and I was saying the same thing about, you know, Keller Witherspoon, uh, you know, in his play, you know, it's been kind of up and down. Some of it maybe due to 
injury. Um, some might be due to confidence and you know, or lack thereof. And the reason for that is because now they're they're rotating him. You know, you have a guy that he yeah. tried to play he tried to play through an injury, didn't had his worst game of his NFL career, um, off of a, a week where he was, you know, in and out of practice. You know, he plays, he doesn't play well at all. And then now you start having guys uh question him. And then he goes into the Chiefs game and people are like, oh, he's benched. He, he got benched versus the Chiefs. And it's like, no, he's coming off of the bench because he's not 100%. So if they don't have to play him, they don't want to have to play him to maybe, you know, further injure him or have him out there at 80%, which isn't going to do the team any good. Well, unfortunately, Sherman went out, so Akello had to play. Um, I thought he was moving, you know, his movements were fine, but um, – you know, then you start rotating him. You start rotating him in the Chargers game with Ward and Greg Maben. And, you know, it's just – it's – so now, you know, as a cornerback, cornerback, man, you have to play that position with the most confidence. And once you start kind of second-guessing yourself and thinking, like, man, if I give up a catch here or if I get beat there, you know, Greg Maben's going to come in for me. That You can't play like that. And – you know, that, that tears down the guy's confidence. So, I mean, we saw Killer Weatherspoon play extremely well last year. Um, you know, not, you know, top-tier type guy, but he was a really solid starter. And we haven't seen that on a consistent basis this year at all. And a lot of it, to me, has to do with with uh, confidence. But it's like, man, just let him play through it. Let him play through it. We, we saw, well, I saw... Uh, uh, Gosh, Marshawn Lattimore, he got toasted. I mean, he he's had you know a couple of tough games, really bad one against the uh, against the Buccaneers. They're not gonna take him out. They're not gonna start rotating him. Let him play through it. Let him f- figure it out. And and he's starting to figure it out now. Um, I, I really don't like the way that they've handled Witherspoon. I, I'd say if it was something that was happening by week seven, week eight, and it was you know it's still an issue, like then I would say okay. Now let's try to figure it out. But, you know, a few weeks in, I, I thought that was kind of an overreaction. Yeah, no, and we were texting about that, and I actually I thought that was a really good point with you. You you knew right away, and you felt that right away to just let him play through it and that it was almost dangerous for his confidence. And, you know, coincidentally, we both brought up situations with, you know, young 49ers players, early round picks from the 49ers' first draft in 2017 where, you know, maybe they're making some questionable, to, you know, managing management and coaching decisions with uh, some of their most promising young defensive players. Um, And it's on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you're not seeing that like with Kittle and his drops. Uh, You're not seeing that. I mean, Kittle had, I mean, that was the other things. You remember that from last year is Kittle was, but they, you know, they let him play through it. They let him build himself up and, and he's just, he's blossoming this year. And And even now, I mean, okay, so let's talk about Kittle. Uh, so when I when I look at Kittle and, and they did they let him play through his ups and downs and, and you see that he's playing he's doing much better and a lot of it maybe was due to injury as well remember you know they've talked about how banged up he was throughout uh, last season but like Kittle Kittle I I mean I guess I just look at him he is what he is he's not going to be the most fluid tight end you know he's not going to be the best pass catcher. Um, where, but he's he's a very very good football player 
And if you get him the ball in space, he can run past some people. <laughs> he's very athletic. Yeah. Um, he's not one of those guys that's like just gonna, you know, whoop a dude off the line and just run these, you know, crazy good routes for a tight end. I, I don't think you'll see that or, you know, make some amazing um, one-handed grab or anything like that. But you can get him the ball in some space and he can catch a run. He he can take it 60, 70 yards, 80 yards. We've seen that. Um, you know, and I think he's going to continue to just be more and more consistent and really be a top five tight end in this league. I, even then, when I look at him, I don't think top five receiving tight end, even though he'll have those numbers. I just think overall, when you bring in, you know, you take into account his his blocking abilities and on top of what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, he's he they, they got a good one. They, that was a really good draft pick. Yeah, he's best best tight end they've had since Vernon Davis, and I mean he's, yeah, he's the real deal. I think it's it's pretty. It seems unanimous right now that everyone is is on George Kittle as a blossoming top five, top seven tight end in the league. Um, I think you know he yeah he's just a complete player. So for the 49ers to get him when they did and to get everything out of him like they like they have and. The, seriously watch the arrow on him just stay up that's that's one of the big positives from this season is that the 49ers have you know kind of a centerpiece weapon for their offense at least for the passing offense I mean really you know passing passing and rushing offense like you said he's such a good blocker you see him chucking guys on the ground each each week so for them to to get him um and that's kind of the reminder that this season it's not about as much wins and losses and touchdowns thrown and everything like that it's more about uh, tracking the progress of some of the players the 49ers are really really relying on you know that for for the for the ultimate roster whatever this is going to be whatever Shanahan and and Lynch ultimately craft over the the next couple years here you know he's going to be one of those important players so you have to track you have to track those stars this year or, or potential stars this year um and even the role players guys like Matt Breida I think have been excellent uh, he's, you know, I know he just got injured again, but how he's played when he's been healthy and on the field has just been, you know, that's another bright spot, you know, that this is a guy you got as an undrafted player and you're going to hang on to him, you know, for the coming seasons. Um, one of the big guys that nobody is talking about. And I finally just, I kind of, you saw today, I, I was on Twitter and I was sharing some of, of what I was seeing from the chargers game, but Mike McGlinchey is. This dude is like the real deal, man. And I know he's an offensive line. People don't watch offensive linemen, but he he's just crushing people. I mean, Melvin Ingram, double digit sacks two of the last three years, eight sacks the other season. So he's he's a productive pass rusher. McGlinchey owned him all game. The whole like yeah. at least until until he incurred his knee injury and had to leave the field, he owned him. And it wasn't even close. And he's also been what uh, Pro Football Focus says he's one of the best run blocking or the best run blocking offensive linemen right now. Um, so that's one of the things I have not heard uh, enough about is what a stud the 49ers got with their number nine overall pick this year, and, and how important that is for the franchise to hit on that for, on that pick. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you know, linemen, you know, especially the offensive linemen, they're never the sexy pick. Um, I think if it was Quentin Nelson, and if, even if Quentin Nelson was having the same exact success as McGlinchey is, or maybe even less, I think people would have been higher on it. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but 
I bet if it was if it was Nelson that was having this type of success, you would hear a lot more about it and people speak more positive about it. But even now, man, even with the success McGlinchey's having, and I mean he's he's playing very well, you know, at right tackle. You hear, oh well, we could have had this guy or could have had that guy or. Oh well, look what this guy's doing, and it's like, no man, look what our right tackle is doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, exactly. He's out here pancaking Melvin Ingram, you know. Yeah, he's he's really he's he's been. I mean, he's playing like a future Pro Bowler, All Pro, depending on you know the the season. But he he's that like level, and this is where he's starting. He's a rookie offensive lineman, and again, he didn't play right tackle, you know, at Notre Dame last year, and. Um, it's and he's had to move around from right tackle to to right guard. He's been injured here and there. Uh, he just had the knee injury in uh, in uh, with against the Chargers. It's yeah, it's really encouraging for them to also net that as another key piece. So you're talking about McGlinchey and Kittle. Um, who else do you like as far as who's who's having good seasons? That's not being talked about. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about. The, I guess you can go off like potential, but uh, Dante Pettis and everybody talks about the second round pick. You know, we should have traded up for Landry. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there's there's really something there with Pettis. And when I was at the game, man, and if you watch the All Twenty Two, you can see the guy getting open. Um, it's just about uh, building rep- a rapport with the quarterbacks. And a lot of times, you know, rookie receivers don't make an immediate impact most of the time. Um, a lot of times it's the you know year two and year three where you see them flourish the most. So um, just him, you know, you know he's kind of been banged up and he's you know been ruled out of you know last game and maybe this next game. But um, you'll he'll he still is taking mental reps and the game is still probably slowing down for him. So once he does get back out there, I think you're going to continue to see Pettis get better and better. And next year he might become more of a staple of the offense. And I think people might be singing a different tune. I mean, we're always going to want that pass rusher. Um, and I would definitely take a pass rusher over a receiver. But if you can just get good production out of him and maybe a couple, you know, power turns for touchdowns, uh, I think people might start looking at that pick a little bit different. But so far, I like some of the things I've seen. Um, he's had well only three catches, I believe, but, you know, yeah. big plays. Um, they've all been big plays. One was a touchdown. One was – a big like 40 yard catch and run. And then the other one was a catch and run against the lions for like 30 yards in the first quarter. So um, that touchdown against the Vikings was outstanding. Yeah. You know, it's just get, get, find out how to get him the ball more. Okay. Another guy that nobody's talking about, um, but he had a lot of hype going, uh, coming into the season, but Kendrick Bourne, he, he doesn't have like the big numbers or anything like that, man. But if you put on the, the all 22, I'll post these, um, gifts for anybody that wants to see him tomorrow. I definitely have him cut up on my computer right now. Um, Kendrick Bourne is getting open. He's getting up on first down, second down, third third downs. He was getting open against Patrick Peterson. He got open. open he beat deep. Casey Hayward for the red zone touchdown on the slant. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about like the Cardinals. Um, he was open deep for touchdowns on two separate occasions, and Beathard didn't pull the trigger. So. I know everybody's talking about, oh, our receivers aren't, you know, getting a lot of pressure. You put on the all-22, and you'll see some guys beating man coverage, especially Kendrick Bourne. So uh, I don't know if that's somebody that they want to try to, you know, figure out how to, you know, get him more involved. But it's it's there, man. It's just 
it's, you know, I guess it's just a process. Well, they're hurting that receiver right now. He's going to play significantly, I think, on Monday night against the Packers. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and that's a tough task. You know, they got some good cornerbacks. But, yeah, I mean, seeing him do that against Casey Hayward, the throw by Bethard was actually really good. There wasn't a lot of room. But um, to make that catch, you know, being shadowed by Hayward and, and that tight, I think it was – you know, I think we've seen Bourne. He's almost their go-to guy in the red zone. I think last year uh, he led in targets in the red zone for the 49ers. And, uh, yeah, he's he's picked up. He made the team again when a lot of people didn't think he was going to. He's playing. You know, he's a regular active player. So, I, I yeah, I would say look out for him on Monday night because if he has an increased role, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. But I think he's another player that, you know, one of those roster filler types – I guess where you're you're looking for depth at positions, and I think he's a great one that they have. One of the other players that I've liked can still even eat through these losses and through the gaps on defense is Fred Warner. Right. Um, he's yeah. I think you know I was watching the last game, um, the tackles that he makes, some of the shoestring tackles. Um, he's covering a lot of ground and. The way he just kind of, you know, his his body mechanics when he's in coverage is just really impressive for a linebacker. The way he flips his hips and he just instinctively covers guys in man coverage. I saw him running with receivers against the Chargers. I mean, he's just been really, really impressive. He's been a tackle leader. And even with Reuben Foster coming back. So that's another like piece that the 49ers do have that is, is you know, he's going to be more respected as a player when this team is winning games next year or the year after. And, um, but he, he's a good one. I mean, he's a good one and he's here to stay. So, um, I've, I've liked Fred Warner a lot and I think he opens up more for Ruben Foster. I think Ruben Foster could do more. Like we were saying before the 49ers are utilizing him more as a blitzer this year. And I think that's because they can rely on Warner in coverage um, so I think that's been a real big positive for them on defense when they haven't had many. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, I guess now that, you know, Garoppolo's hurt, Kenan, a bunch of other injuries, but, you know, there aren't any expectations. Uh, uh, the biggest thing is just continuing to, you know, develop these guys. And I know people throw the word develop out a lot, but then want to rush to get somebody off the field. You know, they're, they're going to make their mistakes. He's going to get beat by running back in the Chargers game. All right. Does he make the same mistakes next week? You know, is he still making the same mistakes week 15? Um, those are the things that I'm kind of looking for, especially with, with all these young guys. It's, it's an extremely young group, aside from, you know, Richard Sherman. Yeah. I mean, that's true. And then uh, Tavarius Moore, where's he been? Haven't seen him. Uh, he played in the... Chiefs game, I believe, um, work, you know, went out with uh, cramps. Uh, Sherman went out with his calf injury. So it was Kello and Moore for the rest of that game, but haven't seen them since. Okay. So he's another one that they potentially have in waiting. We saw some, I think we saw some good things in preseason from him. He looked like, you know, given that he was just learning the position, he was able to just be an athlete that runs with other athletes. I think we were seeing that at least early on. Right. I mean, and my thing with him, just kind of what I just noticed off off the bat is uh, he's not he's not the twitchiest of defensive backs. 
uh, and a lot of times you're not going to get guys, you know, when you start getting guys 6'1", 6'2", um, you know, 200 pounds, a lot of times they do kind of lose that twitchiness. Um, and him, definitely, he, he moves a little bit more like, reminds me a lot of Tyvis Powell, Powell, Tyvis Powell. Um, he is athletic, though, and he definitely made some athletic plays in the preseason. Uh, with him, it's just going to be, you know, about, you know, learning the position and, you know, how he's reading guys down and, and just kind of having the, you know, the, the the instincts, you know, that somebody that has been playing defensive back for years, you know, they have that. They have the time clocks that go off in their heads. Like, okay, I've seen this. I've felt this before. So I, I kind of understand a little bit more what the receiver's trying to do. He doesn't have that right now, but um, he, he definitely, I thought he played well in the preseason. Um, I think it was the last preseason game or the second to last where I started seeing somebody, oh, it was a Colts game. Well, they took advantage of him a little bit. Uh, so, you know, and then since then, we just haven't really seen a whole lot of from him. But I'm interested to see, you know, him. You might as well see what you have. Uh, maybe later. Maybe the second half of the season. That's what I was going to say. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're one in four heading into Lambeau. Uh, yeah. Their last place in the NFC West tied with the Cardinals last But there's nobody the that's really taken a like. Well, they got yeah. they got Jimmy Ward out there. I mean, yeah. that was that that was the go to guy after you know he was right after. I thought it should have been more just for again that this is your this is your investment. Like you need him to develop. You got the advantage of a lost season. I mean, let's call it what it is. Like let's place you play some of these guys. All right. So so yeah, te- technically it is a it is a lost season, right? But if you look at it from a coach's perspective, you know, from a coach's pr- perspective, you, you're, you're definitely not in a great position, but you're looking at it and just like, you know what? We aren't really too far out from a playoff hunt. Like that, that's how I would look at it. It's like, man, if you got, if we can string together some wins, we can be right back in the thick of things because there's so many teams that are 500 or, or below. I know, but do you want to be? I'm not saying no. Tank, I'm not saying you, you want, want to, be? but you have to. No, I mean if it was up to me, I would say, hey, do whatever you have to do to get the first pick. But I, that's tough to watch. Obviously, well, I, I don't think Shanahan wants to have a bad losing percentage as a head coach. Like I, I know that he's out to right, win. That's it. That too. So you know, it's it's like okay, um, if if I'm the coach, I motivate them to do okay. What what do we have to do to where? The second half of the season, we're clicking and hitting on all cylinders. The defense isn't um, making all these uh, mental mistakes. The offense isn't turning the ball over five times when the defense plays exceptionally well. Can we get to a point where we're winning these games? And I I think that's what they're going to try to do. But, you know, so I I don't think they're in just full on, I don't want to use the word tank, but tank mode just yet where they're just going to throw out a bunch of rookies and see what they have with them. That's not that's not going to happen until it's like. Oh, it'll be a little more delicate than yeah, that. Like not well, all of them clearly. out there. But DJ I, Reed's out there, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you'll you'll start knowing if they throw somebody like Pierre Garcon on IR, <laughs> you'll start knowing like, okay, they think this season's just over. Yeah, because you know he just has some injuries too. You know he has some, what is it, neck or back? Yeah, he has some type of uh, injury in the Cardinals game. Was it the sh- was it his shoulder? Shoulder, yeah, yeah I think shoulder. shoulder. So he, yeah, I mean, he came back. He's he's been tough. He's had he's just had some bad luck. It seems since he's been with the Niners. Um, given what's happened 
with the quarterback situations and the timing of his injuries, you know, he didn't even get a chance to play with Garoppolo last year, didn't really get to this year. And, uh, and I got to admit, you know, he's a possession receiver that's just not catching everything thrown his way anymore. So it's, um, you know, if you want to play more of, of Trent Taylor and you want to play more of Kendrick Bourne and these guys, um, Richie James in particular, I think, is the one that they'd want to get snaps for. That's the thing is, do you want the at – what, at what point do you want this team as good as it can be and as ready as it can be, you know, going forward, you know, the young guys? So you're thinking, like, midseason when they're definitively yeah, I mean, out of the well, hunt. Yeah, when they're definitely out of the hunt. I mean, just right now, if you – you probably don't know, but I'm looking at it right now. Guess how many teams are over 500 in the NFC? Oh yeah, no, I just looked. They're not. Yeah, it's 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 not it, looking that it's good. It's five for teams, so <laughs> it's it's only five teams that are over 500. And wait, yeah, wait, one, two, three, four, wait. There's four teams over 500. <laughs> So the rest are 500 or less, you know? So, like, if I'm the 49ers, if I'm a coach of the 49ers, I'm still doing whatever I can to win games and get my guys up, like my guys, like my main guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't have McKinnon, we don't have Garoppolo. But what can we do to get these guys going to where we, if we string together a few wins in a row, which is tough. I mean, you have the Packers, you got the, the Rams, and then you have the, well, the Raiders, who, you know, whatever. But <laughs> uh, if you can string together a few wins – now you're looking at like you're 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 a 500 club and you're in the and you're in the thick of things with eight games ago. Um, that's how I would be looking at it from a coach's standpoint. From you know from a fan standpoint, it's like man, just can we fast forward to <laughs> to next season? Yeah, yeah, sim to end. I mean, yeah. I I I I agree with you, and I bet that's how they're looking at it because um, it's their jobs and it's their credibility and you know they're you know this is Shanahan's been waiting a really long time. To be a head coach, you know, and I I think that's why you see the frustration you do on his face. It's like he just, I think at times he is thinking like, I can't believe this situation this year. (laughs) Like when he's, when, you know, when something goes wrong on the field, uh, you just, you kind of see the angst and um, I understand it for him. And I do think that, yeah, he's going to try to keep stringing wins together here. Um, But yeah, the fan fear is probably that, you know, they keep trying to win games they're out of top 10 in the draft and you kind of see it with the Miami Dolphins every year is whether they start hot or end hot they're usually ending up like seven and nine type of team in middle right. middle of the draft and that just you know it doesn't help that doesn't help as much as as you'd think when you're when you're rebuilding so right. um, but maybe it does because I mean let's see hold on hold on so the, the Dolphins they ended up with Minka Fitzpatrick. Jacecki, Tannehill. And, yeah, I mean, but... Who are the other first-rounders over the year? Uh, I mean, I don't, but I'm just, I'm just looking at it from last year. You know, Xavier they, Howard. Yeah, Xavier Howard. Um, last year, you know, they picked, what was it, 11th or 12th with seven wins or whatever, and right now they're above 500. They actually started out 3-0. So, and they landed a marquee player. Right, and they landed a marquee player still. Yeah. So, you know, you never know how the board is going to fall. Um, well, the quarterback class was rare. I right. think we know about Justin Herbert coming out this year. I honestly, I still have not looked at mock drafts. I'm not there yet. I'm still watching just college football for fun. 
Um, so I don't really know what they're saying about the Niners outside of what I see on Twitter with uh, Nick Bosa. And I know, didn't he get hurt? I'm pretty sure he's hurt right now. And is like, yeah, and yeah. So, and so you know, yeah, and you never know what's going to happen between now and then. So you're not, you know, you're not basing your season and your jobs as coaches on a college player you have no idea about. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know that said, um, yeah, I think they'll still be in a position no matter what, based on what we've seen so far from this team um, to, you know, be in the top 10 or top 15 and get a good, good player. Uh, and maybe higher. I mean, maybe top five. Likely <laughs> top five, but yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> with with your let's try to win some games theory, worst case, they're in the top 15, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. that's just me. I, I have like a, like a never die attitude. I'm just like an ultra competitive person, so... I'm always on. Okay, what do I have to do to win? That that's I'm always trying to figure that part of it out. Um, and I'm pretty sure Shanahan. He seems like he's that same type of guy too. You know, he he's a. I have to try to figure this out. And you know, jobs are on the line. And this not going to be Shanahan's job, but Robert Sala. Um, yeah. You know, linebackers coaches. Uh, you know, all these d- jobs heads will roll. You, you're not yeah. just going to go. You know. Two and fourteen, or whatever we go, and think, you know, your job is just safe. So people are going to try their best, and we just got to figure it out, man, and figure out a way to get more consistent. Because once they get more consistent, I think they'll be playing a you know a better brand of football. Yeah, and I that's what you had said about Shanahan too is something I had been thinking about you know over and over again as I again I watched him on the sidelines and I know, you know, he's not working with everything this year as he preps game plans and gets the team ready for, you know, games uh, week in and week out. I think this is a great, you know, year of adversity for Shanahan. And it's kind of a growth opportunity. If you look at it, he's had to dig deep into the playbook and he's had to work with players. He didn't think he'd be, you know, have to count on. And, you know, with the turnovers and the situations the team has put themselves in with, you know, missed tackles and, letting the game get away from himself. I know, again, he's been a play caller and he's seen situations like this, but as a head coach, I think that this is, this is a good, you know, learning year for him. And, you know, before the 49ers came together in the old dynasties that, you know, it wasn't all, it was, it didn't come together immediately. Um, Walsh had seasons like this. Um, well, a couple seasons like this was 79 to 80, 81. And then, you know, before the team actually got together. But I, I think it's great for him as a, as a challenge. And, again, like I said, a growth opportunity. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's just, how, that's just how you have to look at it. And, you know, hopefully the fans – it's weird because they want it both ways. They, they want to have it, you know, they want to win, but they still want a top draft pick. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, one of the Super Bowl and the number like, one oh, overall man, we pick. We suck. I don't want to watch this anymore. And it's like, but I want Nick Bosa. <laughs> it's like, okay, you can't, you can't have both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it 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 could be it could be worse. It could always be worse. I think the good thing and uh, people, you know, it's always good to kind of think about what this team was like just a few years ago. I mean, it was looking really really bleak when it was, you know, Trent. Trent Baalke, general manager, seemed like he had a it was just 
could not be removed from his position and they were going through head coaches and you know it was just it was it was a mess and it was never looking good and you were looking like man we're going to you know you're going to be the next browns for you know however long right so the fact that they have like a regime they've just been unlucky is is still something to feel good about you could still trust these guys you could still they're getting it right they've fixed I've so seen much. a lot of questioning I've, I've seen a lot of people question um especially lynch it's like man you guys <laughs> it's like oh well they didn't do enough on free agency and oh this is all this stuff and it's like man like it's a bro- it's a process it is yeah. I, I thought this team was was good enough to compete you know Maybe not like a championship team. So, you know, okay, we're not going to roll into Minnesota week one, their first home game, and and beat them on their home field. You know, we're not going to roll into uh, Kansas City week three, their first home game on the road. Like, that's a tough place to play. But, I, I, you know, I I thought, you know, if we have all of our guys, you know, the other games that were more winnable, I I think we would have won those games. Even, Even games like... The Chargers, I know people are like, well, there's no way Niners win, beat the Chargers, you know, it's better play. Well, it's like, maybe they do. Maybe they do, you know, so, I don't know. It, it, it's tough, man. It, it's, this is frustrating. <laughs> yeah, no, like you said, in like last year, you know, the games have been, you know, they've been close and some of them winnable this year. So, uh, you, you got to say, again, not too far off. And again, like it's, it's not a, they're not a downward trending team. They're an upward trending team with some bad luck. So what are you looking uh, forward to seeing, you know, the rest of the way? Yeah. We have a quarter, you know, a quarter of the season down, um, you know, over the next uh, play five games, or over the next 11 games, like what are you looking, you know, most forward to that, that will like kind of give you positive vibes going into uh, next year uh, first and foremost that uh, the guys stay healthy from here on out I think they've had enough injuries for one year so hopefully they get some you know they get some luck on that end that said uh, um, eyes are still pretty much on George Kittle I think that this guy is going to be a really really important piece for the for the he's 49ers yeah he's, he's a stud. stud he's a stud now and and he's just going to be more more of a fixture in this offense and locker room as you know as he gets older you know it's it's going to be really cool to watch his career so and then you know McGlinchey and Richburg um I think you you want to see more from them especially because on the offensive line you're counting on the departure for, of Joe Staley within the next couple years so you kind of want to see the free agent that they signed uh, that center continued to do well. Richburg has been playing well, and McGlinchey continued to play well. Um, even Lincoln Tomlinson's impressed me this year. He's been playing better this year, too. So um, on the offensive line, I guess, I guess you're looking for some of those things, like the players that aren't going to be here uh, in the coming seasons and that position group. Is it set up to succeed in 2019 and beyond, or do they need to – address it in the draft? Do they need to address it in free agency? Um, do they need to just work in some new players and see what they have? So um, I'm kind of looking at it by position group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in the secondary, I think there's like so many names. I mean, they got so many so many guys back there that I think you're looking at that too. I think you want to see Tavares Moore get in toward the end of the season. DJ Reed has got speed and athletic ability and swagger. I kind of want to see how he does. 
uh, Fred Warner and Reuben Foster. I think a brotherhood between these two and continued play and just to see these two get tighter and more in sync. One of the worries um, in the Chargers game, and I cut a clip of this, but the two of them were uh, – Reuben was – at the before the very – before the snap happened, like right before, you know, he was still trying to figure out where he was supposed to be and get – Warner in the right gap so there was some kind of confusion to see them kind of reach a level of cohesion where almost like Bowman and Willis where these dudes were like each other's shadow it was like a mirror image watching them get set in their stance and before the snap (laughs) and then you know pursuit of the ball it would be really cool to see those two grow as a tandem over the rest of the season so I guess that's a big one for me right Uh, what about you um, yeah, no, nah, I, I agree. Just, just can, I just want to see more consistency from on both sides of the ball. Well, actually, I think we've seen pretty good consistency on the offensive side of the ball, aside from the five turnovers last game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just get, on the defensive side of the ball, I just want to see more consistency. They they've put together very good quarters. They've put together very good halves. Um. Uh, I thought, you know, the Cardinals game was a pretty complete game. Like, can can they do that again? Can they put together another game like the Cardinals? You know, and you, you have a chance here, you know, to do it on, you know, against Lambeau, uh, the, the Packers in front of everybody on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and to add on to your point about consistency, yeah, I just want to see better fundamentals all around. Blocking, tackling, ball security. Those things, I think. Right. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. that's what you want to see. The uh, basics of football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which have eluded them uh, a little bit the last few weeks. So, yeah, I think that those are really some important notes uh, to look for the rest of the season, and probably some good ones to end on before we go into Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. Do you have a prediction for the game? Uh, yeah, um, I predict we lose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope not. You know, I hope, you know, me being the competitive person I am, I hope they they get it together. But I I just don't, you know, know if we can, you know, string together enough stops to to be able to, you know, just really be competitive in that game. But, I mean, you never know. Maybe we match up very well against them. And, you know, and everybody has, yeah, yeah, no, I don't don't know. It's not not looking good. (laughs) <laughs> I I would like their chances more if they had Brita. Um, it's not looking like he's gonna play, but I I don't think that the Packers. I think the Packers would have a tough time corralling him, and if they actually had Brita going, and were able to set up play action opportunities and maybe hold Bethard to like twenty passes this game and just kind of control clock, keep Rodgers off the field. 20 passes for Beathard? Ah, yeah. That's not very Shanahan-like. Shanahan likes to throw the ball with him 50 times a game. All right, well then, count (laughs) Give him 30 passes, but 10 of them be checkdowns to Brita. Yeah, right, yeah. But, you know, to to work a game plan around that, I would like their chances better if they had Matt Brita on the other side of the ball. If they play fundamental football, I think it's – winnable i mean the the packers are also a bit depleted rogers is injured he's got the bad knee he's gimping around he's got young receivers um it's it's probably more winnable than it looks but a lot would have to go the niners way and it probably you know just based on how things have gone it's probably not going to and and you know rogers at home on monday night 
it's, it's about as tough as it gets. Right. Yeah. So either way, looking forward to the game. I, I always like the, the night setting. Uh, I always like the broadcast. It's always cool knowing that the rest of the country is watching the team that you cover and is, you know, having that discussion. So either way, it's going to be a good time. Still looking forward to interacting with everybody as the, as the game goes on and before the game. Um, so, yeah. I don't think I'll be catching the game live either. I'll be uh, training some athletes. And, so, and I don't think I'll be done with that until 8 o'clock. And the game will probably be ending. So um, I'll be recording it and turning my phone off. <laughs> I was so, going to say, stay off Twitter. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so by the time I get home and I watch the game, I, I won't know anything that's that's going on, and I'll probably you probably nobody will probably hear my thoughts until until uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, I like how NFL or was ESPN changed the graphic from it was gonna probably be Garoppolo and Rogers, and now they have Sherman and Rogers, which is a reminder that you get Sherman and Rogers on Monday night, which could be fun. Right. Right. And uh, Devontae Adams, so Sherman and Devontae Adams, that should be a really good battle. And, I, yeah, I kind of like just that. I like the way our guys match up with Adams, too. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, so that'll do it for another episode of the Cover 4 Podcast. I'm Dylan DeSimone. With me, as always, Eric Crocker. You can find us on Twitter, Dylan A. DeSimone, and at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, you want to talk 49ers football, give us a shout. We'll talk to you soon.